0: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Right for Your Life podcast. We've got the keys to the door. That's what we've got right now because we're 21 years old. That was the link, you see? Yep. Now then, I'm joined by Mike. There he is. He's talking before I've introduced him. Hi, Mike. How
1: are you doing? I'm just, I'm the worst on podcasts. It's like I can't keep my goddamn mouth shut. <laughs> You're it's
0: the terrible. worst on podcasts. That's yeah. not good news for uh, for what you do.
1: I think I've let the cat out of the bag.
0: <laughs> That's not a good strap line for the entire <laughs> network, really. <laughs>
1: Terrible podcasts, seventy decibels.
0: <laughs> so, what text are we message.
1: doing? Text message for broom. Did you hear that? You heard my text message. Ooh, did I? I, um,
0: I, was, I could read it to you. It's not especially exciting. It's um, it's a re- it's a request um for a smoothie, but um, as we've just started recording, that could be forty minutes coming.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long wait for this movie. It is. <laughs> Um, we're going to
0: be talking today about the recently announced Nexus 7 tablet by Google, and uh, we're going to be talking about that because um, what well, I think is quite quite a few interesting things about it, I don't think it is just another tablet that isn't an iPad, I think there's a bit more to it than that, and um, I think it's directly directly competing with the kindle fire which is um obviously amazon and amazon do like their books and they do like to sell their books so i think that's quite an interesting topic to cover and i've been thinking this week about last week's podcast a little and i listened back to it and i was thinking about the way that i was talking about uh, kickstarter and um and uh, selling stuff through the blog about about um, about having confidence to do that kind of uh, thing and, you know, feeling a bit funny about it. I've been thinking about all those kinds of things this week and I'd like to do, I guess it's like a long extended follow-up to that, um, but really focusing on this idea of confidence because I listened to myself and I thought, hmm, that sounded a bit like a lack of confidence. I remember that from writing my novel at various points, in fact, many points. Mm. And um, I think think it maybe it's something that's symptomatic of being a writer. So... Um, We'll talk about that too. But before before we do, let's do a sponsor.
1: Okay, yeah, we'll do that. It'd be a, And then we can start with a clean slate for our Nexus topic. So this episode um, is in part brought to you by Harvest. Harvest, they, what they do is they provide you with a painless time tracking and invoicing application. Harvest is relied on by the most innovative teams in over 100 countries worldwide. Teams that like freelance developers, uh, designers, consultants, those sort of fancy bods. Um, you can track your time effortlessly with Harvest from anywhere using their web client or one of the many apps that they have on platforms including Android, iOS and the Mac too. You can send your clients professional and attractive invoices directly from Harvest on the web via email or PDF and they can pay you instantly by credit card or by using fast payment services like PayPal, Authorize.net, Trust Commerce and more that you've probably never heard of because I only know PayPal, (laughs) to be completely honest with you. Um, But you can pay through PayPal, which is great. Um, Harvest have created a service that's so intuitive and easy to use that you can spend a lot less time worrying about your timesheet and much more time focusing on your work. If you do contract work, freelance stuff um, of any kind, um, like Ian, you could do this for freelance stuff that you do as well, Um, Harvest allow you to log all of the time um, that you amass working for your client, and then invoice them all in one application. Um, if this is the sort of thing that you're interested in or the sort of thing that you need, you want to try Harvest for 30 days for free today. Um, no credit card, no obligations. to take advantage of this offer. Go to getharvest.com and you can sign up for a free trial right on the site. After your trial period is over, you want to use the code 512, that's just the numbers, 512, at checkout and you'll receive 50% off your first month. We're going to do this quick, though, as the 50% offer expires on August 1st, 2012. So thank you to Harvest.
0: Hey, that sounds like a real great deal. There you go. Do you know what else is a real great deal? I do. Tell me. The Nexus 7. Yes, the Nexus 7 is a real great deal, but it just so happens that you can also now buy my book from Amazon if you live in the USA. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a better
1: deal. It's a big deal and a great deal.
0: It's a fantastic deal, isn't it? I forgot to mention that at the start. So yes, Aes Vangelica, my novel, the one that I talk about all the time, inevitably on this podcast, is um, it's now available to pre-order in, uh, uh, on Kindle in the Amazon Store US version.
1: And guess where people will be able to find that?
0: They'll be able to find that in the Amazon Store US version. If you search for, a is for Angelica or search for Ian Broom, I A I N B R W O M E, I like to spell my name at least three times during a podcast episode. Um, then you'll find it, and that's quite exciting. Less than a fiver, I think,
1: as well. What, I, pounds. what I was going to say, Ian, is that we to find it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing very well on the old podcast telepathy tonight. <laughs> we're not. We're down. We're down on our telekinesis powers. We
0: are. So if anyone wants to buy my book, I would be more grateful than probably the most grateful person in the entire world. I would overtake them instantly. Do you know, and, um, do you know what and, I
1: realised the other day? What? Um We don't tell people where to go to get the show notes, Ian. We just assume well, people know, and I thought, that's not very fair. So... Um, some applications, um, if you use maybe someone on your iOS device or Android device, applications like Instacast and Pocket Cast, they have it right built in, you know, so you can just select the show notes option from there and you can find all the links that you need. But if you use iTunes or something like that, where they don't show you the, the show notes in the way that I would like, just go to 70decibels.com forward slash write for your life and then just find the episode that you're listening to. Of
0: course, that's a very valuable piece of information that we probably should have conveyed about 17 episodes ago. But, um, yeah, that's good. And the show notes, if, if you don't even know what a show note is, it's kind of the stuff that we talk about on the Internet. It's the links to get to those things. Exactly. So let's finally get on to this Nexus 7. Mike, I want you to tell me about the Nexus 7 because you're what I like to call a tech buff. And um, you can uh, you can tell us all sorts about it because you've been keeping up with what's been... Well, I think you may even have watched the announcement live. Is that true? I did. I watched it.
1: I watched it live yesterday.
0: Um, So what what is the Nexus 7, and why should we we be excited about it?
1: So Android tablets, on on the whole, have have been a pretty poor show so far. Um, And a lot of companies have tried, and a lot of companies have failed. Um, And the only two really successful tablets that have run Android in some capacity are the Kindle Fire and the Barnes & Noble Nook. They're based on a what's called the open source version of Android, so it's not the one that it's it's something that Google developed, but it's not that it, that that version of Android doesn't make Google the company any money. So Amazon, for example, have, have built this ecosystem, and they are selling it all through the fire, and Google doesn't get a cent for it. So this the Nexus Seven is Google's attempt at saying to Android and Barnes & Noble, um, we're not happy that you're doing this, so we're now going to come out and eat your lunch. So what they've done is they've created a 7-inch tablet, um, and they're saying it's built for Google Play, and Google Play is their store system. So Google Play, through the Google Play store, sorry, you buy apps, music, movies, and books, and magazines now as well. And that's a new thing that they've just released with an update to their store that they spoke about yesterday too. So the 7-inch tablet is a a really powerful tablet. It's quad-core, one gigabyte of RAM. Um, It's really, really powerful, actually, for for a device of its size. It's got a 300-hour standby battery. And you can watch 9 hours of HD video on one charge, which is really great. That's like iPad level of, of battery life. Um, and it only weighs 340 grams. Now, the presenter on stage, Ian, said that that was about the weight of a paperback. An I interesting
0: don't. comparison.
1: Yeah, exactly. Very, and, and that really showed what they're trying to do. And, and what Google were doing now is they've created um, new widgets for their home screen that show you content that are in their stores, very much, and, and also the things that you'd recently bought, very much like the Amazon Kindle Fire Um. But the, the real great thing about this is the price. So Google have made a very powerful tablet, um, and they're selling it for $199 or £160. And it comes with a $25 Google Play gift card and some free content like some free magazines, books, and movies.
0: So, I mean, that is, um, it's all very interesting, but part of the reason that I specifically wanted to talk about it today was because um, it feels like, it feels like the future of e-reading, really. It might take a while because I think still the majority of people who want to um, read, I mean, people are still only really just getting into, I mean, Obviously, millions and millions and millions of people have been using Kindles for a while, and they love they love them. It's 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 very much mainstream. It's commonplace. It's no longer something that just some people do. A lot yeah. of people read books digi- digitally, uh, and um, for many of them, they've been introduced to it by the Kindle, which is um, e-ink. So it's you know the black and white e-ink type um, device. Oh. Um, but the Kindle Fire. And now this, I think, indicates really where the future of um, uh, digital reading probably is going to be. And I didn't yeah. think it would be. I thought a while ago, not that, not that long ago, really, um, that e-ink would last for quite a long time yet, because it, it's kind of nicer to read. So if you, I mean, I've I've read on the iPad quite a bit, and actually, I I personally don't mind the fact that it's quite bright and the, the backlit effect. What really bothered me about reading with the iPad, um, and still does, is the fact that the iPad is so heavy, mm-hmm. and um, I, I could kind of live with it being a bit bright uh, because um, I thought that that's kind of fine, and, and sometimes if you're reading in low light, say if you're reading in bed or something like that, it's actually quite nice to have a nice, um, properly lit screen. Um, but it's still not as good in terms of actually just physically being able to hold a really light object like a paperback. To to read and that's what the Kindles always done and the Kindle Fire I think as as we've sort of already alluded to that was kind of in that category as well it was a power it's a tablet it's relatively powerful it's an it's an e-reader but it is color and it's got a a a screen so I guess as in a a backlit screen so it's kind of it's um, somewhere in between it kind of to me a Kindle a Kindle Fire would be Perfectly fine. I, I've I've got a I've got a Kindle e-ink version, and I've got an iPad. So the very first iPad, so which is really heavy by comparison. Um, and I think actually the the device that's probably better suited to me would be uh, the Kindle Fire, because I'm perfectly happy with the backlight screen. I just want something that's a bit lighter. A Kindle Fire or the new Nexus Seven. Mm. So this is an e-reader to me. I mean, obviously it does lots of other things, which I think we'll probably talk about as well as why it's. Kind of why people are gonna eventually want to buy one of these instead of just um an e ink Kindle or Nook or whatever it might be. Um but I think this is this kind of mid range device. And mid range isn't quite the right word. It's kind of um it's kind of mid, I don't know, what is it? Mid mid spec almost. Um mid um it kind of has a bit of everything. So it's not as powerful. It doesn't do as much as the iPads. But it's more powerful than the Kindle e-ink version, and it's um, lighter, it's not as heavy as an iPad, but it's, you know, it's kind of, it's currently in the middle, but eventually we will have really light um, uh, backlit screens, proper full tablets that feel like a paperback book, um, but they've kind of got everything in between right, and do all the other things as well, of course. Sorry, that was a very, very long blast of hot air from my uh, mouth.
1: Now you raised a good point that I wanted to come back to. Actually, um, you saying about we—I mean, I agreed with you. I thought it was all e-readers were going to be about um, e-ink, but I think looking at it now in hindsight, um, we underestimated the market. So, e-ink is a better reading technology. Like, it looks more like the printed page. So it's more, It is, I think, personally, and I think a lot of people feel it's more comfortable to read on. But the Kindle started to explode because it was cheap and could be bought for anybody because it was pretty simple to understand. Um, and then as the, the people that would tend to, to not have technology in their life then started to have this technology, when Amazon came out, with a device that was like the Kindle you already know, but also like one of those iPads, that changes things. And then it's no longer it's no longer about the fidelity of the, the reading experience or how great that screen looks. It's about, oh, I have one of these Kindles. I would also like to be able to play Angry Birds. And that's what changed things because they started to offer a device that gave you everything that you were already used to Plus all of the cool stuff that everybody else has, and that's why we're probably. I, I don't know if we're moving away from e ink, but I think that's why Google, for example, aren't doing an e reader, but they are doing one of these tablets.
0: And it's the price as well, of course, because the reason people buy, if people, are, if if you want to, if you just want to try out e books, you just want to have an e reader for the first time. And that's what this is. What millions of people have done. They decided, well, let's give it a go. The technology seems to be there now. The ecosystem is there with Amazon, especially more than anyone else. Um, so let's give it a go. And the, the options for quite a long time have been. And this is up until the Kindle Fire, of course. In the US, we'll come to that. Um, the options are four hundred pounds or whatever it is in dollars uh, for an iPad, or ninety nine pounds or whatever it is in dollars. For a Kindle, and it's just and one's for reading, but that's all I really want to try. So all the other stuff I don't really care about because it's not worth three hundred pounds or dollars more. Um, so I'll go for the cheaper version. And people have done it, and they've loved it because it's a good product, and um, and it's taken off. So if the price, but 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 you have to say if they'd been given the choice of um, um, an iPad or a Kindle, and they both cost hundred pounds, then you would imagine that a lot more people, um, whether they wanted straight e-reader or not, they would probably go with the iPad just because it has all the other stuff. So a lot of people are priced out, and that's kind of, um, you know, that's why I've kind of never thought that the iPad and the Kindle were ever really competing as some people wanted them to be. And that goes, you know, especially in the publishing industry, I guess it's why iBooks isn't really in competition. It doesn't really feel like it's me. Anecdotally, I don't really know anyone who shops in iBooks before they shop at Amazon. It's Mm. just, I mean... I, I use the iPad and I use the Amazon app on, uh, on the iPad because I want that's where I buy all my digital books. I want them all to be in the same place. Um, but it, as prices come down or devices come, come uh, like the new Nexus 7, like the Kindle Fire, as they come, come into a kind of price range that competes with the e-ink um, uh, device, then you can sort of see where people are. That, that decision really is a different decision. You're not deciding to pay an awful lot of money something that's all singing or dancing or something that just does what you want it to do Mm -hmm. that's actually quite affordable, kind of that first option is becoming more affordable, I guess is what I'm saying. So it'd be interesting. I think that could be basically why eating may end end up sort of fading away, which is (laughs) quite a nice metaphor because it probably does kind of fade away (laughs) if you turn the page Let me
1: Let me play an interesting game with you about the price. I I don't know if you know the answer to this. Kind of, no. Um, So, the uh, the Nexus 7, it has an 8 gigabyte, um hard drive or solid-state drive. It's 8 gigabytes of storage to put your apps and, and, and your movies and all that on it, which is, you know, that's, it's not a lot, but that's okay. You can get by on that. Do you know what other 8 gigabyte device also costs £160? I do know that, but that's only because I am...
0: loser, just like you, and read a lot of technology websites as well. It's the iPod Touch,
1: isn't it? Yes, it's the iPod Touch. And it's really interesting to see these two devices paired up against each other. And I think, again, that is going to make a lot of people's decisions for them. And they might want something that's more. They might want a bigger screen. They might want a more powerful device. They might want something that they can read their books on and their magazines on, which you can't really do on an iPod touch because it's a 3.5 inch screen. So I I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. I have purchased one. I uh, I've I've ordered an Nexus 7 and it will be arriving in a couple of weeks. So I will make sure to report back on this show what the uh, experience is like and how it compares as a reading experience to the iPad.
0: And to, can I um, I've I've looked into this a little bit but I suspect you're going to know more. What is the what is the deal with the uh, with, with buying books and and, and kind of Google's um, the, kind of the Play Store, so the books version of that, I've kind of had a look. And it's just it's not – you go to Amazon because you, you know you're going to get books. I know that Amazon sells loads of other stuff as well, basically anything. Mm. But it's still very heavily associated with books, and it always kind of has been. Um, Google doesn't have that starting point. It has lots of publishing-related projects, some quite controversial ones, but um, – it, is it it hasn't really got that same ecosystem so it is Smartest the big, Kindle right? fire store came out and it kind of already has this gigantic the biggest ecosystem the most popular kind of ecosystem for buying books digitally in the world um and and print based actually uh, with amazon but google doesn't really doesn't have that so what whats what's what's the kind of strategy strategy excuse me do you think
1: um i think the idea for google um is just they they have realized that what makes money is having that ecosystem. So what they're deciding to do um, is to launch devices now that are focused around Google Play, and not just Android. So Android doesn't really make them direct cash. Um, all it does is it just puts more people using Google services, which means that they can make more money in advertisement. But I think they would like to earn money like how Amazon and how Apple earn money by selling things and taking cuts. So they have the Google, they have these, these stores, and at the moment they're all kind of less than stores. So, like, their App Store is not as good as Apple's App Store. Um, their movies aren't as good as Apple's movies. Their music isn't as good as Amazon and uh, Apple's music, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what they're doing is creating these devices which. They are selling um, the Nexus 7 at cost they are not making any money at this on this device their whole purpose in doing it is to sell something that outprices everything else in its class and therefore hopefully will encourage a higher adoption of their of their stores but you can still download the Amazon app so
0: right well, that's the, and that, I think that will be key and I think that's what people will do yeah. I mean my first glance at the Google the books, I don't even know how you, what the right sort of terminology it's, is, but the book section...
1: It's not good terminology. It's the Google Play Books. Okay, so my first look at that
0: naming. was, it reminded me of... You know when you go, into, go to the video shop, like Blockbusters, something like that? Yeah. All the video shops are available. You go in there and there's kind of the section that's all the top, top of the charts, like the top ten kind of thing, and then there's like a section where it's uh, more recent stuff and then there's other things and then sort of kind of at the back there's all the stuff from the mid-90s that no one ever watched um, or things that have gone straight to DVD. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like wandering around virtually. That's literally. what
1: their stores are like. like Their movie stores, also like that. Um, right. Because they've not got the big e- like infrastructure and they've not got all the deals in place <laughs> at the terms that they want. So they will pay through the nose for the new releases because you have to have those. And then they then have the new releases to fill up their catalogue. And then they have just the dross that the movie companies would give them and the, or the or the publishing companies would give them. And because it takes time to develop them um, and they weren't as lucky as, say, Apple. Because when Apple would just started doing this stuff, they were a very small player. So they were able to negotiate some pretty sizable deals for themselves. Also, Google's not made many friends in the industry because they do things that they're not supposed to. Like um, uh, our our listeners may know that Apple has something called um, iTunes Match where you can download all of the music you've, you've purchased or you can upload your own songs to it and then download them from other devices. Well, Google did something like this prior to that called Google Music but they launched the service before arranging deals with the record companies. so Sounds a bit of a silly thing to do. Yeah, they dug themselves a pretty bad hole, so they're, they're not known for being very smart with the deals that they do. So, But I think that they've got some people now that are wising up and they're creating these devices, and it's going to be very, a very interesting time for, to see what Amazon do. Apparently, there are quite strong rumours that before the end of July, we will see the second Kindle Fire.
0: Wowzers. And will that be available in the UK? Because the thing about I the Nexus will, 7 yeah. is that we can buy
1: it. Yeah, I think I, think it will. I, think that's, I personally think that that's the reason that they've held off, because the original Kindle you could not buy in the UK, but you could buy the second edition. Yeah. Um, like, for example, we still cannot get the Kindle Touch, I believe, in the UK as well. I think that's correct. We can buy the new Kindle, but, and um, I think that's it.
0: Well, it would be interesting to see what it's like. I'd like you to report back, Mike, and tell us exactly what you thought. And I'd like you to read a novel. That's what I'd like you to read. And it just so happens that um, on the 1st of August, you could buy a novel. This would also be available in the USA. Have I, USA. Have I said this before? I don't think so.
1: What novel would that be?
0: It's called A's for Angelica, and it's written by a very handsome young podcaster who isn't that young anymore. And, um, and uh, yeah, we've done all this. I won't go through that again.
1: It is a novel I would like to read. Very much so, and I don't know if it's possible for me to see the novel when the the Nexus comes out. Then maybe I'll have it read before the end of August.
0: <laughs> it's exactly like Fifty Shades of Grey, which has just become the one million. Uh, what is it now? It's just sold the fastest ever ebook to sell a million copies. It's exactly like that, but without any of the sex and uh, and bad writing.
1: I'm gonna. Um, I read a really interesting article on the BBC about um, Fifty Shades of Grey and independent bookshops um a couple of days ago hit me i do i miss this um and the the writer i'm going to put it in in into the show notes um i kind of just found it randomly um when i was just on the bbc website and uh here we go it's called the mummy porn author and the suburban bookshop was the, was the, the article and they're talking about how um the it's will Gompertz. he's the arts editor for the BBC and he went into a um to a to an independent bookshop and he was talking to the lady there and originally she didn't she didn't know what he was talking about like she hadn't heard of the book somehow um and then he then when she finally worked out what he was talking about he asked how many copies have you sold and she said two and he thought that she meant this week but she'd sold two copies of the book in Entirety since it was released, mm. and that week alone, it had sold something like nine hundred thousand pounds worth of copies yes. online. And and it's the idea that um, yeah, in the in, over the last seven days, over the last seven days, at a combined figure of one point nine million. Sorry, I missed a million off the start of my figure. <laughs> um, and he's saying about you know how that this book shows that we're actually starting. To go towards the death of independent bookshops, because especially these types of books, and this is a an outlier in a way, because this is maybe the kind of book you wouldn't want to buy in a shop, because there's a little bit yeah. of stigma about it. But um, it was just a, it was a very interesting read, and I figured that our our audience may actually quite like that.
0: I mean, the people that are still shopping in the independent bookshops, I think, are. I mean, I don't want to speak for all of us, but probably unlikely to be the people. Buying Fifty Shades of Grey, but it does seem like everyone is buying it. I mean, it is a very, it is staggering what what how many people have sold it. But it, I mean, it started out as fan fiction. I mean, it, it had a very unusual, unusual beginnings. Um, but it's unbelievably successful. And um, I, I read an article today, maybe yesterday, which was quite interesting. It's the idea that, um, and I've forgotten where it is. I shall find it for you, Mike, um, so you can put it in the show notes. But it was it's basically. Um, the idea that the publishing industry sometimes when a book has this kind of phenomenal success they try and um, in recent years we're kind of try and replicate that kind of success because in the hope that if a few books like this are extremely successful in a year that will prop up the entire industry which is struggling to come to terms with all the things that have changed over the last few years from the recession to the rise of Amazon and e reading and digital publishing and all that kind of thing. So many changes. the The industry has struggled desperately to keep up. And if they think that success stories like Fifty Shades of Grey are gonna prop it up, if you like, for however long, forever, then you know they need to get real. And that's not going to happen. And the comparison was with the film industry. And the example he used was the film Hulk, I think, for two in two thousand and three, which was an absolute disaster apparently but an absolute fortune was spent on it so the idea that in order to to um, combat a changing industry they just ploughed more and more money into making more and more flashy and spectacular films which of course generally turned out useless and rubbish and no one went to see them and that kind of contributed to um, kind of a constant decline and, um, and that kind of thing I'm starting to kind of go off on my own territory here, rather than <laughs> focusing on what the the, the blog article said, but it was very good, and um, and um, they used Fifty Shades of Grey as the example there. That this is very much an outlier, and they were saying actually that in order for the publishing industry to survive, is they need to really focus on the mid-list, which is people like me, I think, um, and making sure that kind of um, everyone is supported, and um, and uh, yeah, just a kind of a shift in thinking, I suppose, rather than focusing on making loads of money out of a few try and make sort of um the same amount of money out of more people i think perhaps but anyway that
1: was a bit of a tangent mm. right i'm gonna talk about our second and final sponsor and you can find that uh, link for me good idea so um our second sponsor this week is squarespace they're the company that gives you everything you need to create an amazing website Squarespace is a totally hosted, completely managed system. They take care of all the tricky and confusing parts of getting your site up and running and keep it ticking over without a blip. There's nothing to install, upgrade, or patch for security. Squarespace ensures your site remains happy, healthy, and online, no matter who links to you or how popular your work gets. Furthermore, they've used every trick in their massive SEO handbook to make sure your site ranks well with search engines, helping people discover your work. This is something Squarespace actively develops to make sure that your site stays up to date. All you need to concern yourself with is building your new place online with their WYSIWYG drag and drop interface. You will have your blog or website up and running in seconds. They break basic functionality down into blocks so all you need to do is choose the ones you want and drop them in. Want to add a blog, photo gallery, form, contact uh, forum, anything like that, you just select the block And say that's the one that you want on that page. Easy peasy. I want you to go and try this stuff out for yourself so you can get an idea of just how powerful and simple to use Squarespace is. Go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels and you can start your two-week free trial. And if you decide to purchase any of their plans... Use the offer code 70decibels6 at 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-6 at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first order. And it's also let Squarespace know that you're supporting the Right for Your Life podcast and 70decibels podcasting network. Marvellous. There we go.
0: I found it. Great. It's on the future book says, not even Fifty Shades is enough. We have to do what Hollywood didn't, support the middlest, which is where readers are nurtured and sustained, grow the readership and the idea of reading, and make a culture which supports us as, as an industry rather than yelling at our readers for pirating books and not wanting to pay £15 for the digital version of a book which sells in hardback at
1: £8. Is it called Fifty Shades of Enough? Fifty Shades is not, not enough. enough. It's on the future book. I've got that now so, here is my question for you before okay. before we continue so we are currently at 30 minutes which is our typical length Ooh. now i don't know how much you have to say about your um about the topic right. your, your second topic the confidence thing my so, confidence issues
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, i'm wondering if it's a big enough topic to devote an episode to or if you want to cover it now it's totally your decision
0: well, I kind I of, I, you we, I, you're it. right. It is quite a big topic, and we should probably cover it in another episode. I didn't realise that we've been blathering on for so long about Google Nexus and all that kind of yeah. thing.
1: I just don't want you to feel like you have to rush it, because I think it's actually quite an interesting topic.
0: It is an interesting topic, and I think it's one that kind of comes to, gets to the heart of pretty much how all writers feel, no matter what it is that you write, and no matter no matter. Um, uh, no matter kind of what sort of level you're at, everyone has a lack of confidence at some point. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So I'm I, I, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. I think you're right. It's a good idea. But it's basically the idea that no matter what level you're writing at, there is you will, you'll never, I don't think, get to a point where you feel 100% confidence about anything that you do. Yeah. And you will, uh, at all times, you will kind of feel uh, there'll be something nagging at the back of you. And you kind of just have to get over it and just... Put your work out there and um, and um, and kind of give it a go and not worry too much and try and think what's the worst thing that can happen if I, I don't know, if I send this short story off to a competition or in the case of last week, if I decide to put something on Kickstarter or try and set up a membership scheme, you know, it could all fall through, but you know, you've tried. That's the main thing. So that was kind of what I wanted to talk about. I've got quite an exciting week next week. Yeah. Yes. I, um, As most listeners know, I work for a design company called The Workshop as a copywriter. I'm actually called a communications manager these days. And I'm doing, my, uh, doing a speaking engagement at the Children's Media Conference, which is actually quite Ooh, a big deal. Why me? Look at you. I know. I know. Oh, look at me. Where is it? It's actually in Sheffield, which is handy because that's where I live. Um, but it's a, it's a national thing. So I'm going to be talking about um, this platform that we built called uh, Mission Explore. Yeah, I'll be talking about it on Twitter quite a bit. You may have uh, noticed if you would listen uh, to this and follow me on Twitter. But yeah, so I'm going to be talking in front of quite a lot of people. But on Monday, I'm also going to be at uh, another kind of event called Games Britannia, which is kind of relevant to some of the other podcasts that we have on the network. Um, I'll be there too. So I've got a busy week of kind of conferences and networking and talking to people and being scared and panicky.
1: You're uh, like, a, like a man about town this week. I'm a real high flyer. High flyer, wheeler dealer.
0: <laughs> Something along those lines. But it's quite, I mean, the, re- the reason I've mentioned that was because of the confidence thing, really. I've got to, I'm going to be standing up and talking in front of a, a lot of important people. And um, it's important to me and the company I work for. So it's, um, but, um, and I'm nervous. I hope and you got your
1: presentation away. prepared
0: we're in the middle of preparing it now but you know it's fine i'll, I'll do it I'm, I'm okay at talking nonsense for approximately 40 minutes you might know that
1: you didn't mean me and you did you, when you <laughs> no said we're, we're not it.
0: we're not both doing it don't worry
1: oh good i thought i, I thought i oh, know if we're preparing this now then i have not prepared you <laughs> well enough
0: <laughs> no don't panic it's just uh, i'm going solo
1: well best of luck broom thanks very much you can bring that up next week as well actually let us know how that went in regards to confidence too Oh, well, that's why I thought I'd give you a little preview. Yeah, a taster, in fact. Yes. So, Mr. Broom. Yes. Where can people find you online? And when in Tarnation are you going to be launching your new website? Funny you should mention that because you can find me currently at uh, Ian Broom on Twitter I A I N B O D O O O O O
0: O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O O Damn it. o m e. Well done
1: on spelling your own name there, mate. It's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is for everyone. <laughs> Maybe not so much for you, but never mind.
0: Well, the bad news is that the website is also going to be called dot <laughs> ecom And all being well, that will be live on Monday. Ooh, I'm excited. No promises, because someone needs to show me how to do it effect properly at conferences to move one site to another. I've moved it, but I need to know how to make sure that it all works properly without anyone noticing it's happened. But I'm sure that'll be fine. And it's quite, I'm quite excited. I've changed the way I'm going to do things slightly. So I'm not going to be linking to other things quite so much. If at all, it's going to be, um, fresh content from me all the time, hopefully. Um, and yeah, it's got, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Excellent stuff. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter too. I'm I Mike, I M Y K E. I'm not launching a new website next week. No.
0: No. Which is a shame.
1: I am launching a new podcast, though. Well,
0: blimey, O'Reilly, you kept that quiet. What's this?
1: Uh, it's Bionic, which is our um, Android and other technology show. Basically, yeah, you, the, the not Apple show. You didn't keep it that quiet, actually. I did the opposite of keep this one quiet. Yeah. Mm. So that's, uh, that's probably going to be debuting on Thursday.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So anyone interested in some of the things we talked about earlier on, they should go and listen to that. And if you're interested in technology or pens or working from home or um, enough, it's hard to kind of describe that in the same way, isn't it, that particular podcast. Yeah, yeah, you should check out the rest of the uh, podcasts on the network because they're all marvelous with a capital M and an A at the start, which is strange. Excellent. <laughs> you saw that? that was a promo. I thought you'd gone then. I thought I'd either sort of got, I thought I'd, I was had another sort of out of podcast experience then.
1: <laughs> After the capital M and A, I didn't really know what else to say.
0: It didn't make any sense. I'm sorry. I <laughs> put that on. I just made it up.
1: ma <laughs> Exactly. It's nonsense. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Broom, thank you, sir. And good luck with your uh, very, very busy week. Thanks very
0: much. I shall report back next week.
1: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Right for Your Life podcast. Until next week, bye bye. Cheerio.